Hello, welcome to Straight From The Source, the podcast from the Association of Participating Service Users. We represent people impacted by alcohol and other drugs. I'm your host, Sam Schlicht, bringing you real life stories straight from the source. Before we get into this episode, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. I pay my respect to their elders past, present, and emerging. So we've reached the end of our mini-series looking at the effects of COVID-19 on alcohol and other drug services and the people who use them. That may be a relief to some of you. I know as we enter our second lockdown that I'm personally pretty sick of hearing the words. But the longer this situation carries on, the more our world will change, and absolutely will continue to be here to listen and provide a platform to our community. As always, please do get in touch if you have a story to tell or any comments to offer on what we're up to. You can email us at apsu at shark.org.au, that's shark with a C, or find us on Facebook at Apsu Online. We love to hear from you. So we'll definitely be revisiting this issue, but the next couple of episodes will be something a bit different. I've spoken to a couple of academics about some really interesting work they're doing to grapple with stigma and other harms related to substance use. I also interviewed an inmate on North Carolina death row who talked about struggling with addiction and his ongoing work on prison reform. They'll both be coming up soon as we return to our monthly program. Anyway, for the episode you're hearing now, I spoke to a resident at the Windana Therapeutic Community. It's an interesting place, but I won't waste time describing it because she does a wonderful job. This interview felt like a great way to draw a line under this mini-series because it reaffirms some crucial values and practices that may just see us through this crisis and beyond. Even from a short phone conversation, I was really moved by the role that community and peer support seems to have played in sustaining the residents at Windana, not to mention their own individual strengths and resilience. While we acknowledge there's a lot of misfortune and despair out there too, they do give cause for hope and positive action. If you could just tell us about your experiences leading up to being at Windana and, you know, what caused you to be there in the first place. Sure. Okay, so I've used, you know, for a long time, since I was 15, and I'm 39 now, and I've I've tried to do it on my own numerous times and uh, just hasn't been successful. Um, I did two detoxes many years ago, and I've just never been able to maintain it on my own. Um, And then I actually didn't know too much about the community rehabs. I did the Windana Youth Detox when I was quite young, probably about 20. Um, And then I did Seeds before it became Cicada, you know, years later. And then I think it was, so I went into Windana Detox again last July, on the 8th of July. 
and decided that I needed long-term rehab. Um, yeah, I just I, I just couldn't do it on my own. And um, so I did detox for two weeks and then came into Windana up here at Maryknoll. Um, I remember going to the pre-assessment meeting uh, with Jody, uh, the intake worker, and it sounded like it wasn't going to be easy, but I was prepared for it not to be easy. And it, it sounded ideal, I guess. So I just thought, you know, I haven't, I haven't tried rehab. This is the first rehab I'd ever tried. So yeah, did you have a like a main drug of choice? Uh, yeah, so I've smoked marijuana since I was 15 and I've used ice in the last six to seven years and a lot of party drugs in between. Yeah, yeah. okay. But so maybe ice was the main issue when you came to Windana. Yeah, yeah. Marijuana was my main drug of choice and it was always there, but it was the ice that had caused the most damage. Sure, okay. Yep. Yeah. And so Windana's a therapeutic community and you know that that won't mean a lot to some people who are listening i wonder if you could just describe how that looks and you know what you knew about it coming in and how it's been for you day to day yeah sure okay so i had no understanding of what a tc or therapeutic community was before coming here and i've come to learn and understand that it's it's a community where we all work together and we all help support each other, I guess, towards that common goal of, of sobriety. We can challenge each other on our behaviours, learn a different way of doing things and, and support each other. So we, we all work together and that's what you would call community as method. Yeah. So how does that kind of break down? I mean, you talk about doing work. So there's a lot of self-reflection that happens, but it's really a chance for me to discover who I am, what I like, what my values are, what my behaviours are. So there's sort of three different components here. So we have a works component where there's a variety of different job functions, whether it's garden, animals, kitchen, maintenance, duty worker role where we can all sort of learn different functional skill sets I guess you could say as we go along skills that we could use in our life outside the farm but it also helped me gain a lot of skills in communication delegating tasks um, and ways to resolve conflict and then we have our phase groups so that's where we, we sit down in, in whatever phase we're in and that's oh, it's all therapeutic. That's a very therapeutic part where we discuss different things. Are you running those groups pretty much yourselves or is there someone from Windana? We have a facilitator in those groups. So they're always run, there are different facilitators for each phase and they're always in there facilitating the group but they will give us the space to talk or, or share what we need to share in that space. Yeah, and in terms of the works, it's a farm, isn't it? It's a farm, yep. What's been your main role in, in the work? So I've gone through quite a fair few of the different job functions. So when you first get into the TC, they use the term grounding. So it's just giving yourself time to settle in 
to how a TC works, what the environment is like, and you'll be in garden when you first land and you're, you're in the OP phase, which is your orientation phase where you, you just get to learn how, how everything runs and the sort of language that we use here and what the program's about. So you'll spend a fair amount of time in the garden just slowing down and just grounding. And then my experience from garden, I went into animals, which I loved. You know, animals are pretty dear to me. <laughs> uh, so it was, you know, just helps you learn how to care for something, have empathy, have compassion and ha- and have that responsibility. Um, and from animals, I went into kitchen for a little while, which is pretty much the hub of the community, I guess, where all the food's made. And and then we have administration. So I worked in administration. When you work your way through the program up into phase two, when you become a senior, you're eligible to do phone shifts. So that's the extra responsibility that you're given. We have a roster. When you're in OP, you don't need to worry about being put on the roster but when you go into phase one you'll be starting to do things like wash or serve so that's after the meals made you'll help in the kitchen with the sanitizer and wash everything up and that's a rotating roster throughout the whole community and then you're given an extra responsibility when you become a senior and and you get trained on answering the phones and and doing phone shifts. And then we've got the duty worker role, which is what I'm doing at the moment. So that's, um, you know, having your little walkie-talkie with you and attending to to residents' needs and being the one to liaise between staff and residents and hand back slips. So that's the slipping process. So that's to sort of stop the instant gratification that, as an addict, I was quite used to. Um, and we, if we need to ask staff questions or we want to get clarity around something, we write out a slip and then that goes into a slip box and then it goes to staff, then staff will look at it and then send it back to the duty worker. So it's just it's a process that's put in place to help slow us down. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And and thanks for that description. It just, um, it's an interesting place. And I I think it's really good to kind of give people a picture of of how it works. Yeah. But it sounds like there's a a lot to get your head around. So how's your experience been? To be honest, when I first got here, I was very overwhelmed and quite anxious. But something, there's a process in place that is really beneficial for people just coming into the TC, which is the buddy process. So any new member that comes to the TC is um, allocated a buddy. And that is someone who has been here for a while that knows the ropes and that can be there to assist the newcomer in questions and queries and letting them know how the timetable runs and helping them just ease into the TC life. Right. So that really helped you? Oh, yeah, that made a big difference. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And are you a buddy to someone else now then? Not at the moment, but I have been a buddy a couple of times. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. So how long have you been there now? It'll be 12 months on the 9th of July. Yeah. Okay. And then how long until you graduate and, and leave? Okay. So what I usually hear is the program is 16 to 18 months. So I'd be looking at moving to the integration house in the next couple of months, hopefully, um, which is another part of the program that I think is really quite important to help maintain long-term recovery. So they have two integration houses. So after you sort of complete the majority of your program at the farm, uh, you will move into the integration house. And it basically is what it says. It's uh, helping you integrate back into society. So all the tools and all the things that you've learned while you've been at the farm are then for you to put into practice while you are slowly integrating back into society. Right. Okay. So you're going to be integrating into a a very different place, it looks like. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, what's your level of contact with the outside world in normal circumstances? So, you know, four or five months ago, how did that look? Prior to the COVID, after you've been here for a few weeks, you are eligible to have a visit every second Sunday. And after you've been here for six weeks, you're eligible for a five-hour leave off property. And that slowly increases the longer you're in the program. So you start off with a five-hour leave, then go to an eight-hour leave, then an overnight leave, and then fortnightly weekend leaves. Right. Okay. Yeah. So by the time that this hit, you could actually go somewhere and stay every every other weekend. Yep. And that was something that really helped to know that I could go back and, and see my mum and my dog. And yeah, it was, you know, very important to be able to maintain that family connection via leaves. Yeah. Yeah. Or visits. So in that case, you're obviously probably also pretty aware of what was going on in early March in yes, Australia. It was pretty major. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, how did that feel from your point of view, actually being fairly separated from it, I suppose? In a way, personally, for me, I feel like it, it could have been a little bit of a blessing in disguise, you know, because I wasn't sitting down listening to the radio and watching the news constantly. Almost felt a little bit removed from it because we are on the farm if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so maybe didn't realise the full impact of it because, you know, we weren't in the wider community. Uh, did know it was, you know, pretty, it was pretty bad out there. But um, I guess in a way, to me, it felt like it did not impact us that much because of where we were. Yeah. And... And on a positive note, I I felt very safe in here, not being exposed to anything, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. And, well, I guess in in some ways, not a terrible time to be doing what you're doing as well. I mean, you're not not missing a, a great deal out here in some ways. Yeah, yeah, that was something that I often thought to myself you know, maybe I should 
go, maybe I should be with my family. But then I had to sort of look at the bigger picture and, and exactly that thing. There's nothing much to go to out there at the moment because of the the, the conditions and um, there's not much I can do out there. So, you know, I felt actually that this was probably one of the safest places that I could be, you know, and there was a lot of support in here. It's a fairly large community and my loved ones know that I'm safe. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But obviously things did change where you are mm-hmm. all the same maybe not as much as outside but what has changed day to day for you and how's that been okay uh so we used to hug we did a lot of hugging here <laughs> we were a hugging community and when the social distancing restrictions came in you, that had to cease and that was that was quite hard. I know that was hard for a lot of my peers in here. You know, hugging was a, a support tool, I guess you could say, that we, we used with each other. Um, and it it sort of it felt very strange all of a sudden to have to stop that. And then we sort of had to revert to elbow taps. Right, yeah. So that took a while to get used to. And the, the sort of 1.5 meter social distancing so you know we would all sit close together usually in a pete's place in a circle for our meetings and we've had to spread that out and sort of make two circles one around the outside and one on the floor right and some staff i think have had reduced hours and they would get their temperature and everything checked when they would come onto property so it was more about them limiting people coming and going. Uh, all visits were sort of put on hold to minimise risks of of any infection coming into the community and leaves were put on hold in order to keep us safe and, and the rest of the community. We used to all dine together at the same time and sit next to each other in, in the dining room. And when COVID started, we mixed that up a little bit and we made two dining groups and turned the tables around so there was one person at each end, just so there were less in the room and not so close together. Right, yeah. Yeah. And some of our groups, we had to limit the time period on which we were all allowed to sit in the group room. I don't think it could be over... 45 minutes, yeah. And we got some of the portable hand-washing stations in, so we had to be, you know, pretty vigilant. Yeah, okay. So that's actually quite a lot of change, really, isn't it? And, like, the kind of support that you're able to offer each other and the way the groups works had to change. And then also you're losing a lot of that physical contact with the outside world. Yeah. How did you cope with that personally? It was quite hard in the beginning. Um, yeah. We were offered extra phone calls over the weekend and extra FaceTime calls with our family because, you know, the fact that, that visits had to stop and leaves were put on hold. So we were, you know, offered that little bit of extra contact, which was really great of the staff. And... 
yeah, it, it has been hard, I won't lie. But I guess I've taken a positive out of this. I feel that the community has really banded together during this time and we've become really close-knit and, and, and extremely supportive of each other in this situation. It's something that we've all had to go through together and I guess, you know, face this adversity together during this time and personally I just feel it's brought us closer together which for me personally has been really beneficial. I was someone that came in here quite timid, very reserved, not wanting to become vulnerable and and, you know finding it hard to trust. So for me (laughs) in a way I've had the opposite Sort of experience with with COVID for me, it's it's been positive in here because it's it's helped break down my walls. It's helped me trust again. It's helped me become vulnerable, and and it's it's helped me to lean on support from my my peers. So for me personally, I feel the connection has become much deeper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's hard to phrase this right, but are there any specific? examples of how that's kind of developed or how it is that you've come to feel closer because obviously physically you have to be literally further apart yeah that's true so when we sort of were informed that leaves would have to be put on hold and visits were, were put on hold because of the COVID it was brought to us that we could put in proposals to staff and try and organize weekend activities or run our own workshops, you know, run run by peers or residents. And so, you know, a lot of us got together and organised weekend activities that we could do on property to help us keep our spirit alive and uh, help us stay connected and, and motivated during this time. So we would, you know, do little workshops. So someone would We'd teach guitar lessons, we'd do croquet, we'd do knitting, we'd do an art workshop, we'd do a cooking class. So a whole lot of us would would try and, and just think of these little workshops or activities, you know, on the weekend that we could do to just keep our spirits up and stay connected. So I think for me that was a big thing and it helped me during those weekends, it helped me connect with a lot more peers than I, I normally would have and, and, and get to know them on a deeper level. Right. Yeah, that, that's a great answer. You've had to kind of turn inwards and focus on your own community without the access to the outside yes. world. Yeah. 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 It sounds like you've been given a fair bit of power to kind of set your own schedule and create your own activities. Yeah, especially on the weekends. Like we still have a a set timetable, like we still do our house cleans and have morning meetings and evening meetings. But then the afternoons, you know, are usually that's our free time on the weekends. So the idea was that we sort of band together and, and find these things to do during this time to, to keep our spirits up. Yeah. And and it's it's helped a lot. Yeah, definitely. Sure. I forgot to ask how many of you are there roughly at, at any given time? Anywhere between 40 and 50. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so how do you feel that the group's fared as a whole? I think the retention rate during this crisis has been phenomenal, actually. I only think we had one or two residents that decided to self-discharge. 
and the rest of us have stayed put through this whole crisis. Right. Which to me says a lot. Since COVID, I've never seen such a strong knit community, to, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's actually, it's quite touching to think that we're, we're this close and, and we're this supportive of each other during this time. It's amazing, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it sounds like there's been plenty of support, but I'm just wondering if this continues or if we have a break and then it sort of happens again, is there anything that you'd like to be put in place by way of support? Um, no, I can't think of anything extra that's not already in place here. The staff have been fantastic. My peers are fantastic. I think all the support is, is here already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great to hear. Yeah. So getting back to, to you personally, I, I suppose, or maybe life after Windana, yep. has this kind of changed anything about the way that you're looking at your future or how you feel about it? Hmm. I guess earlier on I was worried about what the workforce might look like post-COVID, to be honest. I'm trying not to think about it too much and I'm just taking it one day at a time. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm sure that it's going to have some sort of impact on on employment long term you know I know it has been bad for a lot of people out there and I guess I guess what it's made me realize being here is that there are some connections that I want to maintain with me for a long time that I've made in here Mm. does that make sense yeah yeah whereas pre-COVID that might not have been so important to me but now being together during this has made me want to, yeah, really maintain some of those connections I've made in my life later on. And I guess, you know, something that I learned when I came here that is said a lot is the opposite of addiction is connection. That was something that didn't really enter my head at all prior to coming here, being quite isolated but not sort of connecting the dots. And like I said, I think that's where I found COVID a little bit of a blessing in disguise for me personally because it's really helped me foster those deeper connections, which will be important for my recovery post-Windana. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if that answers your question. Honestly, that's just a a lovely answer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And... To be honest, I I had a final question that was sort of like looking for kind of a broader reflection, but um, you just kind of went there yourself. So that was just great. Thanks so much for your time. You're welcome. It's actually been really, really nice for me to sit here and, and, and reflect on this time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it just sounds like you're doing really well and I'm hoping that's kind of the calendar works out for you and you kind of coming back into into melbourne as as we're sort of coming out of this and you'll have the usual opportunities available to you yeah that would be lovely <laughs> all right that's great thank you sam thank you Best i enjoyed that thank have you have a great day you too bye bye
There's 24-7 help available for individuals affected by alcohol and other drugs at Direct Line on 1-800-888-236 and for their loved ones at Family Drug Help on 1-300-660-068. HRVIC provide great resources for harm reduction at hrvic.org.au. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe or leave us a review. And do get in touch either by emailing apsu at shark.org.au, that's shark with a C, or at facebook.com slash apsu online. We're always looking for new guests as well as issues and perspectives that we haven't covered. The Association of Participating Service Users, or APSU, is a service of the Self-Help Addiction Resource Centre, or SHARC. APSU is a Victorian consumer body that believes the voices of people with lived experience of alcohol and other drugs should be heard and incorporated into service design and delivery. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of APSU or SHARC. The music you heard is by DBH. There's plenty more of it at dbhguitar.bandcamp.com and there'll be more from us at least once a month.